Welcome to the Power Your Life radio show with host and success doc, Joanne White. Author, speaker, certified coach, and energy master, Doc White gets to the heart of what matters most. She features guests and experts to help you consciously create more success, health, and wellness in every area of your life, work, and relationships. They'll share their success stories, wisdom, and know-how to help you shine more light onto your day and into your life. Power your life right now. Here's Joanne White. Hello, everyone, and thanks for tuning in to Tower Your Life, and I'm Joanne White, your host. And wherever you are today, many people think about, oh, I don't feel comfortable in a group, I'm a little bit shy when it comes to talking or to meeting new people or doing business with new people, and and oftentimes, A lot of that points to people who may often negate their gifts, may feel less than in many ways. And we're going to look at that to really decide and determine from an incredible self-esteem guru here about what's the most critical component for you to achieve success and happiness. And I'm talking about Dr. Joe Rubino who's an acclaimed speaker, a personal development, self-esteem coach, and he's also the CEO of www, the Center for Personal Reinvention.com. I love that. Joe's created coaching certification programs for self-esteem coaches for adults and children, life coaches, relationship coaches, abundance coaches, self-confidence coaches, and business coaches as well. Dr. Rabino is also a best-selling author of 12 books, including the self-esteem book, The Ultimate Guide to Boost the Most Underrated Ingredient for Success and Happiness in Life, as well as a seven-step system to building a million-dollar network marketing dynasty. Joe's acknowledged as one of the world's foremost experts on elevating self-esteem and as a life-changing personal development and success coach. He teaches how to restore self-esteem, achieve business success, and maximize your joy and fulfillment in both life and productivity. Welcome, Dr. Joe Rubino. How are you? I'm great, Joanne. Thanks so much for having me today. Oh, it's my pleasure. And I called you a guru because (laughs) you really teach so many people about what it means to have self-esteem, to teach others about self-esteem. What is self-esteem and why is that so critical? Well, by my definition of self-esteem, it's a lot more uh, broad than most. And it really involves five different aspects of personal power. The first is our ability to influence others. So that when we have high self-esteem and we speak, other people pay attention because we're centers of influence. The second is significance, which means we have the ability to be accepted and we have the attention and the affection of other people. They like us. They want to know what we have to share. The third is virtue. And virtue is about feeling good about who we are as a person morally. And it's about having self-compassion 
because without being able to forgive ourselves when we make mistakes, we can't forgive others. So high self-esteem individuals both are proud of the person that they are, and when they make mistakes, as we all do, they forgive. The fourth component is competence, which is the ability to take an idea and to manifest that idea into reality on purpose. So we can, we can move our thoughts into manifestation by willing it and then taking action to see that it's so. And then the fifth component, Joanne, which is critical, is having an appreciation for what it's like in the other person's world. It's a win-win philosophy as opposed to high ego, which is about being self-centered and often at the expense of other people. High self-esteem individuals have um, only – it only works if, it, if it's a win for them, a win for the other guy, and a win for the world in general. So when we have those five components together, we can actually uh, manifest our dream lives and champion other people to do the same. Now, what happens if somebody's missing one or two of those critical components? How does that work? Well, the first key is to identify what's missing and then put into place the elements that need you to shore that up. So let's say, for example, that you don't feel good about the person that you are. You don't feel virtuous. So maybe you lie or you cheat or you uh, do something that you just – you know, your conscience bothers you around. Well, all, there, all it takes is to recognize when you're about to do something that you're not proud of, and in that moment, stand in the courageous decision to take action that is addressing the issue. So it's like walking down a path in a forest and you come to a fork in the road. Half of the battle is recognizing when you have the opportunity to choose, left or right. And then the other half is just having the courage to make the decision to honor the path of heart instead of the path of convenience. So anytime we are not living our best life, anytime one of those components is missing, we just need to be in research around who am I being that this component is missing and what's missing that I've put into place would support me to manifest the qualities that I want to manifest in life. And just by exercising that muscle, we can put any missing elements in place, and we can reinvent ourselves pretty easily. You know, you, you mentioned a couple of things that I think all of these components are important, all of these aspects to self-esteem. But many people don't have that sense of, like you talked about, the appreciation for where the other person is, being able to put themselves in somebody else's shoes which I agree with you, I think is so critical. How do we develop something like that? That's, that's a, I believe that's a skill. Well, it's about having empathy. It's about instead of looking at the world through your own perspective, your filter, which is prejudiced by your history of upsets and, um, and uh, you know, anything that happened to you that distorts that, that filter, that lens that you see the world. It's about asking yourself, what is it like in Joanne's world for her to say such a thing or to do such a thing? And whenever you are in an upset phase, that is the red flag that tells you that you're probably not seeing the world in a way that supports you. Now, it doesn't mean that we need to condone bad behavior, 
But what it means is that if you find yourself angry or you find yourself sad or you find yourself afraid at what someone said or did, you're probably not interpreting it in a way that serves you. And that happens when you're chronically gravitating toward those emotional reactive states. And we all have them. And so the, the key, again, is to recognize when you're in the upset and to ask yourself, what's a new interpretation I can create that leaves me in relationship with this person, that supports my interaction, and what action can I take to, to enhance or to strengthen the relationship as opposed to doing what I usually do, which causes me to react or to become invalidated or uh, to become offended? You know, it's so, it's, it's so essential to, to have that, and, and it requires, in my mind, self-reflection. And you're talking about people really stepping back a little bit from their emotional reactions, and, and I love that emotional reactive, and, and deciding, no, I can do this differently, or I need to take a look at that. But not everybody is able to do that, and that's why what you're doing is so important. I wanted to talk a little bit. You mentioned that one of the keys, too, is about self-forgiveness. Why is it so difficult for so many people that they, they can forgive someone else or they think they can, but they harbor such, I won't, I won't say disdain, but they have a real hard time forgiving themselves for, for things that they did in the past. How do we get, how do we get past that? Well, it's usually because we hold ourselves to a standard of perfection. And perfection, mm -hmm. of course, is unattainable. And so when we mess up, when we make mistakes, we are the first to judge and to criticize ourselves for those mistakes. And we can't be with the fact that we're human. We can't be with the fact that we do stupid things sometimes. We, we make mistakes. <laughs> and it's about... Uh, Getting, you know, there's kind of a contrary payoff for beating yourself up. You get to feel bad. You get to justify your inaction to clean up your mess. You get to be a victim. You get to feel sorry for yourself. And you get to continue to keep some untenable situation in place that isn't to your benefit or your liking. So it really takes a courageous decision to... Uh, admit when we've made a mistake to take whatever actions are necessary to make good on uh, cleaning it up, to leaving people whole, to apologizing if that's necessary, to making amends or restoring someone to uh, a state where they're whole. And when we get good at that, Hello, okay. Um, we're having a little bit of difficulty here. Where is Joe? Are you here? Hi, this is Dr. Joe Rubino of the Center for Personal Reinvention. Thanks for your call. Hi, this please is Dr. Joe Romano of the Center for Numbers and a reinvention. At the tone. Thanks for your call. And I'll be happy please to return your call your name if possible. Phone. Thanks and have a Hello? Hello? Hello, Joe? Joe? Okay, we are 
experiencing some difficulties. We've been talking to Dr. Joe Rubino about the most critical component to achieve success and happiness. And here he is again. Hello, I just called Joe? back in, Joanne. Can you hear me now? I can hear you now. So um, we've been reintroducing you. Let's go for it. You were talking about something really important in terms of self-forgiveness. Yes. Um, self-forgiveness is about giving up your right to be a victim and a victim of your own mistakes. And when we can look for the gifts that each mistake teaches us and we can learn and grow in empathy and in wisdom, we can actually clean up the mess that we with our mistakes. We can do whatever it takes to make reparation or apologize or leave people whole, and we can move forward learning the lesson that has us be more powerful and more able to contribute our gifts to the world. And it's about giving up our right to invalidate ourselves, giving up our right to uh, be the victim, and the that we have for the uh, humanity that we've shown by making the mistake. So it's all about learning the lesson and, uh, and making good on what that lesson has provided us in contribution to others and ourselves. You know, you were talking almost as though people get, get in this loop uh, and in terms of there's a payoff on some level and, you, you know, you kind of reduce that to its lowest denominator a little bit in term, by, not, by not forgiving yourself and it just goes circularly around and around and around so you're, you feel worse when, <laughs> than you did before. Why do we have such difficulty with self-esteem? How does it start? Where, where do we get low self-esteem from? Well, it starts in our childhood, uh, typically before the age of six, so we're pretty young. And we're going along splendidly, thinking the world is just wonderful. And someone to simply says, leave your message, press 1. Otherwise, to hear it, press 2. To re-record the message, press 3. If you Are need you there, something Joanne? else... I'm here. I don't know what that is. Okay. Can you hear me? <laughs> I can hear you now. Yep. Okay. Um, so um, what happens is early on, either someone says or does something that we buy into negativity. It could be an abusive situation. It could be a spanking, a name that we're called. Someone says or does something that says, Joanne, you don't fit in. You don't belong. You're unlovable. You are imperfect. You're stupid. You're ugly. You smell funny. Something that uh, someone else uh, ha holds us in less than high regard. And we look and we say, you know, I think you're right. I am that way. And then we start to hold ourselves in that way, and we create a self-fulfilling prophecy. The other way that it happens is that someone says something innocently enough, like maybe a parent says, Joanne, what's the matter with you? Not meaning anything by it. And we think, well, I guess there is something the matter with me, and this must be what's the matter with me. Nobody likes me, or I don't belong, or you know, I'm defective, I'm not funny, nobody uh, wants to be with me. Something that we make up, that again, we start to look through this filter into the world from a perspective that says, this is how I am. There's something wrong with me. And this is how other people are. They judge. They're better than I am. They're mean and cruel. They're selfish. Something that
we're talking to Dr. Joe Rubino. I think he's having some um, technical issues on his end because I, so let's hold on. We've been talking about self-esteem and Joe has so many books and also certification programs for self-esteem that are just incredibly wonderful and really important. So it's totally important that we take a look at, as Joe's been talking, we take a look at why that's been happening, why we create that low self-esteem. And as Joe was saying, that oftentimes it comes from our childhood and hopefully he's going to call back again. There he is. Hello? Joanne, I don't know what the source of our challenge is, but I'm back and uh, it's all good. Okay. I, I, You know, everything's great on this end, so I don't know what it is. But here we are. I've been talking to people to our listeners a little bit about just what you've been talking about in terms of self-forgiveness and also in terms of of the origins of it and how challenging it is sometimes because somebody can, like a parent or a teacher or a friend, can have say something that's almost like a throwaway comment. They may not even remember it. And like you were talking, we... We hold on to that and we analyze ourselves with respect to what that comment was. And somebody may not even remember that they, they said that or or, met, or may not have even meant that in the way that we've taken it. How do we get past this? How do we, we get past our old stuff that you said we created in childhood, which I totally agree, and really be able to see ourselves as the powerful, creative beings that we are well it's about having a commitment to stay in personal development and what that looks like is managing our negative self-talk so whenever Mm. we get this little voice on our shoulder that tells us you know nobody likes you 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 just did it again whatever that negative voice tells us we need to separate it from our intuition our intuition is always sourced in love And it always supports us. It's heart-based, not head-based. The negative self-talk is that little voice that's in our head that I like to uh, call Chip as a gremlin (laughs) that tells us these things that don't serve us. And there's a reason for that. It keeps us either playing small and avoiding risk, so to try to protect us, or it has us constantly strive on a treadmill to try to be something that we think that we're not and there's no peace in that scenario so all it takes is to recognize when chip is talking his or her nonsense and again you identify that by it's based in fear typically it's based in one of the negative emotions of anger or sadness and we can then tell chip to okay shut up and take a hike and now let me reinterpret what you just said in a way that supports me So we try it on like a coat, and if the coat fits, it gives us an opportunity to take action, to put into place something that was missing to enhance who we are. And if not, then we dismiss it, and we live from a declaration that says, this is the quality that I want to show to others. This is the quality that I want to step into. I'll give you an example. Let's say that someone invites us to go to a party, and Mm -hmm. we think – geez, the last time I went to a party, I didn't know anybody. 
I stood by myself. I had a miserable time. Nobody liked me. Uh, I went home feeling miserable about who I was. I'm not doing that again. So was that based in love? Was that based was that intuitively based, or is that a negative self-talk? It's negative self-talk because it's based in fear, and it's, it's in your head. It's not coming from your heart. So what do we do? We ask ourselves, am I willing to release that thought? And sometimes it's so juicy, we don't want to release the thought because it keeps us safe. It protects us from potentially hurting ourselves or getting hurt by others, but there's a cost to that, and the cost is we don't have friends. We don't expand who we are. We don't have any fun in this case. So in this case, yes, I'm willing to release that thought. Okay, what action or what interpretation first can you create that doesn't have that fear attached to it of making a fool of yourself? Because this one happens to be fear-based. And the interpretation is, well, uh, I didn't take responsibility last time for making any friends at the party. I didn't ask anyone about themselves. I just stood by myself, hid behind the plant. And so what's a new interpretation you can take? Well, a new interpretation is that there's going to be someone at that party who's shyer than I am. And I can go to that party and I can actually make a friend. I can compliment someone on something. I can ask them about themselves. I can just be a great listener. And I can leave knowing that I've made someone's day a little bit better than I found them. So that's the action that moves the situation forward, and it actually breaks up that thought that you don't belong and that you're lousy socially, where I stood for many years. Now when I go to a party, uh, I will take on that very uh, intention of making a friend or many friends, complimenting people, asking people about who they are, and as a result uh, – it's a way for you to not only break up the negative self-talk, but to reestablish yourself as whatever quality would support you to step into. And it's very powerful. You know, it's interesting because oftentimes, like we'll, we'll use that party, for, for instance, many people think that they're too shy and they don't know what to say. However, if you're asking people, like you said, about themselves and they think they come away from the conversation loving the conversation because they've had an opportunity to talk about themselves and they think, wow, you are the greatest. <laughs> so that's, that's important. Okay. What else can we do to get rid of low self-esteem? What, what else can heal it so that we can move forward? You know, we, we do the self reflection a little bit we can reframe things as you said we can we have that opportunity to take a look at why we did something and I like what you you know I like the what you call that part of you that negative self-talk chip I think it's all important but what else because so many people are so really I would say crippled by low self-esteem that it gets in the way of communication, like you said, going to a party gets in the way of relationships. It gets in the way of doing things to kind of be creative and and prove to ourselves in some way that we are capable. Well, you're, you're absolutely correct. There's actually three things that we can do, and I've identified these three, three things as part of a self-esteem elevation system. 
And in that system, there's about 50 different distinctions or foundational principles that when you map them onto your life by doing exercises that make them come alive for you, you will do these three uh, behaviors, the first of which is healing and completing your past. The second is a proper assessment of what's so in your life right now. And the third is designing your life in choice based upon the person you've decided to be. So let's start with the first of those three, which is healing and completing your past. That's about reinterpreting and reinventing yourself so that your, your identity is actually altered in a way that empowers you. You know, we have a cellular memory that we've developed since we were children. And that cellular memory is about our identity. It's a function of the energy that we give forth into the world and how we hold ourselves. And it's invisible for the most part. And by healing and completing our past, we're able to change our history. You know, you've heard it said you can't change history. Well, it's not the facts of history that we need to change. It's the interpretations that we've created about what happened to us as a child and throughout our lifetime. So we can identify what our most important values are, which ones are not being fully honored, and we can identify what does it take to step into honoring those values fully. Values are the threads that form uh, the core of who we are, the fabric that makes up our soul that's most important to us. And when the threads of that fabric are pulled, when our values are being dishonored, Life doesn't work. So part of the healing process is about doing a, uh, an inventory about what do we make up about ourselves that doesn't support us? What do we make up about other people that doesn't support us? And what do we make up about the world that doesn't support us? So it's about creating a new identity. It's about seeing our future as so inevitably bright that we are self-motivated to do the things that create that bright future on purpose. So when we've healed our past, we've reinterpreted all of the upsets in our life such that they empower us instead of they disempower us. And more importantly, we've created tools that allow life to train us. So not only have we reinterpreted the past, but the daily upsets that we incur with our spouse, with our coworkers, with our neighbors, with our friends, we're able in the moment to flip that light switch so that we're empowered by their communication, which might have disempowered us in the past. And we do that by first being in development, second, looking for opportunities where we're emotionally reactive, where we're in our emotional reactive states of anger or sadness or fear because they drive us. And it, those are very powerful. They're like a heroin addiction a heroin addict's addiction, those three emotional predominant reactive states or moods. So the first thing we can do is to recognize which one has our name on it predominantly. Is it a form of anger like most people in the world are addicted to anger? Or like 350 million people who are addicted to sadness, these are people mm. who, are emotion who are emotionally depressed, who actually go through life in a way where they are scanning thought and finding reasons to be sad. They're sad addicts, let's call it. And although they don't like being sad, they've created situations at work. They've married people who make them sad. 
They've done things that uh, they get to be a victim around. And again, it's invisible. And the third is fear. People who are emotionally addicted to fear worry all the time. It's estimated that 24% of women and 16% of men are addicted to fear. So when we can recognize what runs us and we can recognize the emotional reactive mood that we're in, that's the flag that tells us you're not seeing life in a way that serves you. And in that moment, we can reinterpret life by giving up our right to be angry or sad or afraid and creating a new interpretation that serves us, that moves us forward by releasing the emotion and reinterpreting life in a way that empowers us so that we can take action to break up the thought that has us paralyzed with anger or sadness or fear. So that's one example of about uh, 25 different distinctions in the realm of healing and completing our past so that we can then move on to assessing what's so in our life right now and designing our future on purpose, which I can talk more about if you'd like. Yes, in a minute, because I, I think it's also fascinating. But how long does it take for somebody to be able to do that? I mean, uh, I have some uh, somebody that says this this could take forever, to, which I don't believe. But how long does it take for somebody to get to that level, Dr. Rubino, of self-awareness and to be able to take a look at, at what they've said about the past or whatever, whether it's anger or sadness, and really shift that into something that's, that's more powerfully oriented for themselves? Well, Joanne, over the course of 30 days, we develop new habits. And this habit is as powerful as flipping a light switch. So, for mm. example, at first you're going to not recognize when you are in your funk, when you're in your mood. If you have a commitment to recognizing it, then you're going to say, okay, I missed it this time. I reacted emotionally. I was angry or I was sad or I was afraid. I'm going to do better next time. So take it on for 30 days. The more you do it, the more you return yourself to that commitment, the easier it will get. And within a 30-day period, if you commit to this one exercise for 30 days, by the end of 30 days, you'll develop a certain level of mastery where instead of reacting, for example, you'll say, ah, there's the anger. How can I release the emotion? Am I willing? Yes, I'm willing. How, what is a new interpretation I can take that keeps me in relationship that allows me to avoid taking uh, angry action, that allows me to be reactive. And over time, you'll develop more and more skill in that arena until it becomes second nature to you. The more you do it, the, the better you'll get at it. But there's no quick fixes. Uh, although it, it takes a combined effort of recognizing the principle in your life, taking action by mapping it onto your life and, and getting good at stepping into the new possibility by living a declaration of the person you've decided to be in that area. So to answer the person's question, you get good at it by being bad at it first and by having a willingness to, to learn from each episode where you didn't get, you know, you were powerful in that principle until you become powerful. The more you do it, the better you get. Now, I've been doing this for about 25 years. Do I get angry? Yes. I still get angry at times, but I'm much better at recognizing when, when I 
see the emotion, I can release it in that moment, and I can take action so that it doesn't exacerbate. It doesn't go into full-blown rage, which started when I was five years old. I was bullied by teenagers in the schoolyard, and my predominant emotional reactive state was indignant anger. And so I went through the first 35 years of my life indignantly angry with – I was a walking how dare you. That's not fair because I didn't realize that that ran me. And now usually I can uh, recognize it and uh, be pretty good at uh, not reacting in a way that doesn't serve me because I've had 25 years of practice. <laughs> right. Mine was fear. My mother, bless her heart, was used to say that – you shouldn't drive, driving's dangerous, this is dangerous. So I, t- I took on a lot of fear, and I had to work with that, too, to decide, let's, you know, do things that, that you're afraid to do so that you can get past it. And that's really, you know, what I've done. Even even initially doing the radio show was a por- part of that. It's, okay, I mean, you've well, never done this before. You're going to go into fear, or you're going to try it out and see if you like it. <laughs> right. Great. That's a great example where you, you, you recognize the fear, you recognize the interpretation that you would look bad or not be liked or didn't won't look good or would make a mistake, and you created a new interpretation that you'd help a lot of people, I imagine, and that you'd be powerful eventually at doing it as you are now. And that and motivated also enjoy it. And you also enjoy it. Yeah. <laughs> Perfect. So Sometimes that's a great example okay. how you break one up. Right. Good. Well, you have so much information, so many books. Tell us a little, and you also have a, a, a special gift for our listeners, too. Tell us a little bit more about why all this is important and and why you are so passionate about this. I can understand it, and but and I think it's it's it's. I think self esteem just is is a like you said so critical to to everything that we do in life and and we don't necessarily recognize that that by shifting it like you said we can do so many things and be so many things too. Well, over the last 25 years what we've got to see through the work that I've done is that 85% conservatively of the people walking on the face of this planet lack self-esteem in one or more area of life. And wow. it keeps them it keeps them suffering, it keeps them struggling, it keeps them less than abundant, less than fulfilled, less than happy, it strains their relationships, it causes health challenges, and it prevents them from living their life purpose and their best life, manifesting their gifts into the world, you know, realizing a vision for their dreams, setting goals that empower them to achieve. And so my gift is about reversing that. It's called Seven Steps to Soaring Self Esteem. It's an audio program that comes with seven mini-course lessons delivered into their email inbox. And it's followed uh, eventually by a one-hour TV show that I did called The Number One Secret to Success and Happiness in Life. And all of those gifts are free, and you can get them at selfesteemsystem.com, www.selfesteemsystem.com. And it's a thank you for checking out the work that we do at uh, – theselfesteembook.com, theselfesteembook.com. And that's the, uh, the program that empowers people to make their lives work optimally. And uh, one of the things that, that I've done uh, out of coaching with my coach, uh, you know, I, 
my vision, Joanne, is to impact the lives of 20 million children and 20 million adults. And one of the questions that my coach asked me was, well, how far along are you in impacting 20 million kids and 20 million adults? And I had to admit that, you know, I'm nowhere near achieving that. You know, I've impacted maybe a couple of million, but I've got a lot of work to do. So how was I going to do that? And I, I decided that I would teach people to be certified in learning the same principles to impact either kids or adults. And so I've created a certification program to support people to do that. So if you go to www.highselfesteemkids.com or H-I-G-H, selfesteemadults, highselfesteemadults.com, you'll see the programs where you can learn these same principles to learn these same foundational distinctions that allow you to be powerful in not only shifting your life, the lives of your family members, but to go and be paid to do the, the work that I do in the world, if that's something you'd like to do optionally. And um, I'd welcome you to join our team of light bearers to go out and to change how people hold themselves and others in this world. And I think that we can shift our culture. We can actually raise the vibration of our world as more people have high self-esteem and believe in themselves and believe in that win-win philosophy of empowering others. You know, I, I, I love the mission, Joe, and somebody is asking a question. Is she saying, is this an online certification course? What's involved? Do Is there, because she's very interested. So, um, yes, it's totally online. It has audios or videos and e-books and things of that nature where any for, okay. where from a month to two years, and you then take an optional 50-question multiple-choice exam if you'd like to be certified, and um, then you receive a certification from the Center for Personal Reinvention, my company, and you can go on to teach these principles to others. You know, I love the fact that you're teaching people how to work with kids because, like you said earlier, Joe, it starts early on, and if we can address it early on, we, we would have people growing up really feeling powerful and having the self-esteem that they need, like you said, not just for ego, but to be able to share that vision, raise the vibration of of everyone and have that sense of empathy and, and caring for everybody else. So I love your mission. I love what you're doing to help us move forward in the, in the world helping kids and I honor that commitment that you have. So we're going to promote you so that we can, you can reach that goal of <laughs> millions of people with self-esteem. Tell people one more time how they can get a hold of you and get a hold of your books because you have so many books. They've been translated into different languages and um, can they order it from your website? Do they go, where, where do they go for this? Okay, I don't know why we're having some technical difficulties, but uh, Center for Personal Reinvention.com and Joe's books are also online and in bookstores. And remember, he offered a wonderful program if you really want to be certified to work with kids or to work with adults, be certified, and you can do that. It's possible. Joe, thanks so much for being part of Power Your Life and for sharing your wisdom and for helping so many people in the world. And next week's 
August 31st. We're shifting gears on that's Wednesday. We have Marilyn Tam talking about using what you've got to get what you want. If you've missed any of this episode, you can go to Blog Talk Radio and look up Power Your Life. You can also go to my website, drjoannwhite.com, find out about other shows, check the archives, and also find out about other kinds of programs that we're doing, and also check out the Power Your Life Network. Thanks so much for joining us, and have a blessed day wherever you are. You've been listening to the Power Your Life radio show with host and author, Dr. Joanne White. Listen often and spread the word about the upbeat show to enrich you and grow your life in the direction you desire. Listen again and again and visit DocWhite.org for more information and find out how Dr. Joanne can benefit you. Thank you for sharing your day with us and stay tuned for more exciting guests and events to come.